0: On March 31st of 2020, I released the CC America podcast, which stands for Confidence Centers of America. It's not by chance that I chose to use CC because it's essentially a play on words as in carbon copy. It is a vision that I had 10 years ago that I finally was able to bring to fruition. And the very first episode happened to be released after going through a month long miscarriage. It was a very scary time in my life, but I will say that this last year has been nothing shy of amazing in terms of the personal growth that I've seen, the miracle working power of God and keeping us safe during a global pandemic along with several other life changes. And even though there were times that were really tough, I learned so much over the course of the last year. So similar to the play on words with CC America as in carbon copy, This is a recall. I would like to bring to your remembrance the very first episode that was released last year on March 31st. So I am really excited. March 2021 was a record month in terms of downloads. So it's only fitting that we take it back to where this podcast began. So this show is all about helping individuals get mentally fit, Through Stories of Faith, Inspiration, and Transformation. And this week, I want to take you back to the journey that began what is now known as the CC America Podcast. The woman looked comfortable in her situation. And I was like, oh my gosh, I looked comfortable in my situation. So no one knew what I was going through. Thanks for joining the CC America Podcast, where we are getting mentally fit, through testimonies of faith, inspiration, and transformation. We hope you enjoy the show. This is a live recording of the CC America podcast. Thank you all so much for joining. Um, I'm very grateful. I am grateful to God for waking us up today, um, keeping us safe during the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, The reason that I decided to call this Pandemic Proportions is because of the situation that we're currently in. We are facing um, a situation that is widespread, that is impacting multiple countries, um, it's very volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. My uh, business people, you know that as VUCA, um, we are definitely in a VUCA environment. It's funny how the things that we all learn. Um, so I have my ODU crew on with me right now. The things that we learned at ODU, it's what we're dealing with right now. All of the uncertainty in the world, but um, we do serve a, a high guide. Um, who is all-powerful and all-knowing. And I just thank him today for this opportunity. And before I get started, I feel like I need to start off with a prayer. So um, if you all don't mind joining me in prayer, Lord God, we just come to you now thanking you for this day. Thank you for this opportunity, Lord God. We thank you for waking us up this morning and keeping us protected during this difficult time. Lord God, we pray that you would forgive us for any things that we may be holding on to that we need to give to you so that we can come to you with no regret and trusting you that your word will stand firm in the midst of any adversity that anyone is facing, Lord God. We give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor. We thank you for where we are today. We thank you for the things that you have done for your people, Lord God, and we know that you are still righteous and you are always on the throne looking down on us. Lord God, this situation that we're going through right now, um, we know that you are still in control regardless of what it looks like. We give you praise, glory, and honor. We thank you. Um, We thank you for our families, Lord God. We thank you for our friends. We thank you for anyone that we've come in contact with our colleagues. or God, we just pray that they are protected right now and they are covered in the mighty name of Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So on that note, I am going to go ahead and um, just kind of jump right in. I guess I'll just fast forward back to kind of where this all started. Back in early January, like the 24th, I found out that I was expecting And of course, at that time, it was really exciting. I was, um, of course, I was a little nervous uh, because it wasn't something that was planned. And at the time, I wasn't sure if it was the right time. But, you know, our timing is not God's timing. And I remember coming home from work because my mom had called and she said, your grandmother said that she thinks you're pregnant. And of course, I'm like, no, I'm not pregnant. I'm taking birth control, not Probably not pregnant was what I thought. And God had other plans. So my mom had said that my grandmother thought I was pregnant and my cycle was late. So I said, you know what? I was at work. Let me go ahead and pick up a pregnancy test. Let's see. Um, So I came home from work. Uh, Rodney had picked up Nadia and I went into the bathroom and I had two tests. So I said, okay, let me try it and and see. And I had never taken one really before the last time I went to the doctor's office and that's when they found out I was pregnant with Nadia. So I went into the bathroom, I took the uh, pregnancy test and then the first one, the line, the double pink line showed up very quickly. So I said, oh, okay, that's pretty certain. So then I said, well, they gave me two. So let me try this digital test just to make sure. So when I took the digital test, it said yes. So I sat in the bathroom for a moment, I was nervous and I was like, Oh, like, I don't know if this is the right time. But then at the same time, I was like, well, everything happens for a reason. I'm just going to trust God regardless because I had started a weight loss journey again. And it seems like every time I start a weight loss journey, then it just gets off track. So I was like, well, I probably shouldn't be dieting right now. So like, let me change things up. And I called Rodney into the bathroom. He came in with Nadia and he was in the living room talking to his best friend. And I, I told him to look at the test, which showed that we were expecting another child. And so he smiled and gave me a hug. And then he said, I'm like, I guess you better call the doctor. So fast forward to Friday, I called the doctor while I'm at work and they tell me to come in. They say, um, you know, you should come in if you can, or if not, come in February 10th. So February 10th, the reason that I mentioned the date, it's important because it's going to come back up. So they told me um, February 10th, I set the appointment. I sent him a text and I said, hey, do you think I should, you know, go to the doctor or should we just go with what the pregnancy test said? So I was like, "Okay, we'll just um," he said maybe you should go get a blood test just to confirm. So I went in for my first blood test on January 25th. So um, that was the beginning. I was really excited. Um, And then that Monday I received a phone call and they told me that uh, my beta levels were low. So my HCG levels that indicates pregnancy were lower than what they would anticipate. So of course I'm already thinking like the worst. I'm like, guy, why is this happening? Like, am I going to miscarry? Like, what does this mean? And they said, oh, no, that doesn't necessarily mean that. But we want you to come back in a couple of days. So I went in on a Monday. I went back on a Wednesday, did another blood test. Then they called me, like, Thursday. And they said, oh, your beta levels are increasing, which is a good sign. But we don't know. Like, it's not as high as we would expect. So we want you to come back in for another blood test on Friday. So I'm thinking... OK, this is still a little awkward because I'm excited that I'm expecting. But then at the same time, I'm getting nervous now because they're telling me that my HCG levels weren't high enough. My HCG levels continued to rise, which was a good sign in that the following week they said, OK, well, we're going to get your blood results back from Friday's test. Come back in the following week. Monday comes, they give me a phone call, and they say, well, your levels rose, but still not as high as we would expect. We want you to come back in for another blood test. Have another blood test, and then they say, "Um, we'll give you the results. They call back. They say, well, they did rise, which is a good sign, but we would like you to come in for another blood test and a sonogram. So I've been to the doctor at this point multiple times, thank God that I work for a company and a director who is very understanding. So a lot of times I would just go to the doctor on my lunch break or run out whenever I needed to, which worked out fine. So I went back to the doctor again. And I remember that day I took a picture um, when I was leaving the office because I was just like, okay, maybe things will work out. You know, I hope that they do. And so I went in for my blood test and my sonogram. And so it was a great appointment. They said, um, we do see a sack and a yoke, which is a great sign that the pregnant it is a viable pregnancy um, because I was scared that I was having an ectopic pregnancy. So they confirmed that was not the case. So I left. I was excited. I was like, okay, so the good news is I'm not having a tubal pregnancy. I am actually really expecting, which is awesome. Things seem fine. So, that when I went in and I talked to the doctor and he confirmed that there was a sack and a yoke, he said, Oh, well, we need you to come back in 10 days. Okay. And he said, because you'll be further along, you'll be about eight weeks. Then we'll be able to to detect a heartbeat. So he said, come back on February 10th. Surely February 10th had to be assigned. Reason being February 10th was the date that I scheduled that on the 25th of January. So I was like, okay. And and I had had a lot of appointments. So I know it may seem crazy. I literally was in the doctor's office every other day, just about for blood tests or sonogram or whatever. So he was like, we'll come back in a few more days. We're gonna test and see if everything's fine, if the baby has a heartbeat. So the appointment was on the 10th. So back in January, of course, that seemed very promising. So I went back in on the 10th and this time Rodney went with me. And the son- the sonographer or the um, ultrasound technician that we always see, he was um, he was very friendly that day. We had seen him when I was pregnant with Nadia, but he had never been very talkative or friendly. Um, he was very clinical, uh, which is fine. I understand not everyone is the same. So, it you know, it was no big deal. But he was really friendly that day and he was talking to us. And um, when I came back in the room. Um, to get prepped for him to do the exam. Um, he did the exam and he said, Oh, well, I see the sack, I see a yoke, and he was like, Well, maybe you should come back. But I was thinking he has the results from the last sonogram. So I said, Well, didn't you all did a sonogram last week? Do you have the results? And then he said, Oh, well, I'll let um the doctor speak with you. And the doctor I was supposed to see was not in that day. So doctor the doctor that I ended up seeing was the same doctor that I saw the first time I found out I was pregnant with Nadia. And I don't believe that was by mistake because I specifically requested her. So we go into the room and she sits down with me and she's asking me how I'm doing, how's Nadia doing. And then she says um that there was no heartbeat. And of course I was crushed. I was like, really Like I was excited and sorry, I'm getting emotional, but I was really excited because I was like, oh, Nadia will have a sibling. Like, you know, this is awesome. And I can't think of anyone better to break the news to me because she literally hugged me like she was an auntie or my grandma or my mom, and she was like, it's gonna be okay. She said, unfortunately, this happens quite frequently. Um, And sadly it does. So when we think about pandemics and we think about what's happening in the world today, there are a lot of women that experience either ectopic pregnancies, or miscarriages, it's very common. So a lot of babies are lost through this process, whether it's um, whether the child is stillborn or if the mother loses the baby before 20 weeks of pregnancy. So this is something that's very common, and I know a lot of individuals who've gone through this situation, and you know my heart goes out to them. My heart went out to them then, and all the women that go through it now. February 10th was when I found out the news, but I was thinking, okay, she told me my options. I had three options. She said, the first option is you can just let your body do what it's gonna do naturally. Once it recognizes that you're not having a viable pregnancy, your body will, um, essentially, she said, expel the, the fetus or the tissue out and you'll miscarry. Then the second one, she said, oh, the second option is we can give you side attack, which will essentially induce you and make you go into a miscarriage. Oh, and um, I'm seeing some messages pop up. And I, I'm i very sorry that, you know, that you went through that. It's, I mean, definitely is traumatic and it's a lot. So I just thank God for the, for the women who are able to just stand up and share their truths. I know there's a lot of rainbow babies and a lot of women who, um, have gone through this. And a lot of times we go through it and we don't want to tell anyone. I dealt with that where I did not want to tell anyone what I was going through. My mom didn't find out that I was pregnant until, so it was the 10th, so she, like around Valentine's Day. So I I hadn't told anyone because I was waiting for the 12 weeks. So I'm definitely sending love to you all and everything that you've um, been through. And just know that I am here with you And um, I'll fast forward to the the end of this process, but I hadn't even told my mom that I was pregnant. So when the doctor said the other option is a surgery, a DNC surgery, I said, okay, and this is where they essentially like scrape the tissue out and make sure that it's removed. And this is usually the last resort if um, the miscarriage doesn't happen. But my husband and I, we elected to do it first because i said, you know, I ride the Metro, I have to work. Uh, By trade, I am a training and development manager for a global company, a global insurance company, and I train a lot. So for me to be standing in front of a class and not knowing when I'm going to miscarry, I was like, that's a lot of stress. So I decided to have the surgery. And so I told my aunt because she was going to watch Nadia. And I said, what would be crazy is if I don't tell my mom and she finds out because I'm in the hospital because of a complication. So I told my mom and she was very like loving, very understanding, of course that's you know expected. And I said, okay, well the surgery's on Monday and she was trying to figure out when she would come up here to see, like to be with me. And so she said, well, I'll probably come up after your surgery since it was a two week recovery. So fast forward to that Monday. Monday the 17th of February, I did have a DNC surgery for my miscarriage. And when I went in that morning, I was nervous and I had been nervous the whole time I was praying and I was just like, God, like I hope I wake up because I have never been put under. Sorry, I may have a few emotional moments, um, but I said, I'm gonna trust God. And on my way there, I was nervous. And I um, that Monday, When I got to the doctor's office, everyone was so sweet. They were all really nice. I was praying that God would bless me with like good nurses and individuals that could help me out. And everyone, again, they were great. They were really friendly. And when I sat down in the waiting room, there was a Our Daily Bread sitting there. And in the Our Daily Bread, it was a message. And it talked about how God is always with us and we are never alone. And I was thinking, oh, my gosh, like this is you're right. We are never alone, even when it when it looks like it. And Rodney was there with me. Um, He couldn't come to the back when I got prepped for surgery. But they did bring him back when they had gotten the IV and everything in. And essentially, I was just waiting for the surgeon to come in. And the nurses were back there. They were like, oh, you're going to be okay. We do this all the time. That's always what they tell us. We do this all the time. And, you know, usually that's reassuring, but in my case, them doing it all the time did not work in my favor, but it did help reassure me a little bit. And then I turned on Joseph Prince on the TV and he was talking about having faith, and how God is always with us. So the word was affirmed from the Our Daily Bread book that I picked up off the table when I was in the waiting room, and from Joseph Prince. So listening to the message and then reading it right before I went into the back to prepare for surgery, I felt better. And I cried, and I was in the room, I cried so many times because I was scared of going under because we've known people who went under and did not come out. So of course, that added a whole nother level of stress and worry. And I said, okay, I'm gonna trust you, God, like you're always with me. So they rolled me to the back for surgery. Rodney gave me a hug and a kiss, and the nurse, they wheeled me into the operating room. And I just remember a lady rubbing my arm, and they said, Okay, we need you to scoot over from the bed to the operating table. And they um the there was a nurse and she was rubbing my arm and she was like, You're gonna be okay. And I don't remember anything else. Um, I woke up in recovery. I felt okay. I wasn't sore or anything. And I said, okay. Like, I was just grateful to be alive. I was like, okay, thank you, Lord. I made it out of surgery. Like, let me be okay. Like, don't let me get any blood clots or have any um, complications from this surgery. So I was still feeling good. And at this point, many of my family members didn't even know I was going through a miscarriage. Many of my friends didn't know. There was a small handful of ladies who knew because me and Rodney, we hadn't told like many people at all. But getting close to the surgery, I was like, okay, I need to let my mom know for sure. And then I did start to slowly let people know. And I'm so grateful for my sisters for praying for me, uh, for my family. Um, It was definitely a blessing. So we leave the hospital. Everything's fine. Two days later, I start cramping and I start um, bleeding again. And I didn't have any symptoms the first day or so. So I'm thinking, everything's fine. Um, But then I had a fever and I was like, well, why do I have a fever? So I called the doctor and they're like, okay, well, we're going to need you to come back in um, because the fever would not break. And I was like sweating in my sleep. And I went back in and the doctor tells me and Rodney that there's tissue left. That's the whole point of a DNC, is so you don't have to go through miscarriage. But either way, she says, your scar tissue from your C-section didn't permit, like, I didn't want to be too invasive because that could puncture your internal organs. So I read up on it I said, okay, that seems reasonable. Um, My friend's mom was really helpful too. She's a nurse, I was messaging her like, does this sound right? And so that made sense. So I was like, okay. But it was interesting because she never told Rodney that I had tissue left. She just get told, gave us the regular discharge instructions. like If you have a fever, if you have these symptoms, um, if you have fever, cramping, heavy bleeding, hemorrhaging, those types of things let us know. But I had a fever, and it was because I still had tissue left. So I went in that Friday after the surgery, um, and this is the end of February, uh, like the week of like the twenty. It was the week of the 17th, so that Friday. And... She said, oh, there's tissue left. So I I didn't get upset. I was like, you know what? It is what it is. I would rather them not cause internal bleeding and just go ahead and treat me. So I was okay with that. So they treated me and then they did the sonogram. It was quite a bit of tissue left. And the, the technician looked at my ultrasound and was like, you had a DNC? And I said, yes. But there was so much tissue left that she was shocked. And so I said, um, yeah, I had a DNC um, because I was trying not to have to go through the miscarriage process because I take the Metro and I'm also a trainer by um, profession. So I don't want to have a situation while I'm at work, maybe training or on the train. And she said, oh, okay, um, I understand that. So they said, okay, well, we're going to give you three Cytotec pills. and I know probably some of the ladies on this thread, I saw a few of you mention that you have been through this process. So, again, my heart goes out to you because I did not want to go through the miscarriage process and have surgery. Um, but they gave me three side attack pills and said, take these, and this will induce a miscarriage. Okay. So now we've. I've had one surgery and now they're telling me they're going to induce my miscarriage. And I called my mom. So she came up for the weekend. She said, OK, I'm going to come and stay. Um. So I took the pill Saturday morning because they were like, well, you might hemorrhage. You might do this. You might do that. But they couldn't tell me. They didn't know how my body would respond. So I took it. Um. I did have cramping. I did have bleeding. I did pass more tissue. Um. And I'm thinking, OK, that wasn't a lot to cause this fever and all this stuff, but maybe it'll pass. So that Sunday, um, I was feeling a little bit better. Um, and my friends came back. Actually, no, it was around the weekend of, I feel like we were off. No, President's Day was when I had the DNC. So the following weekend, that Sunday, some of my friends came by. So Marone, Jennifer, and Amber, they were all um, here at the house right after my mom left and we had a great time, but before they left them. So I still was having a fever um, and they were like, you probably need to call the doctor and get it checked out. So I called the doctor on call. They ended up being my friends because I was calling them like every weekend. I called the doctor on call. So now mind you, I've had a DNC surgery They tell me to come back in Monday. I go back in Monday, there's still retained tissue from the surgery and the miscarriage. So they say, okay, we're gonna have to give you four pills. So they give me four more Cytotec pills and they send me home. So at this point I'm crying, I'm scared. I'm like, I don't know if I get an infection. Like, I I don't know what's going on. Like, this is crazy. Um so I I decide like this is the only option I have is to take these pills. So I say, okay, I'll take the pills. And then they also gave me a prescription for an antibiotic just in case I get an infection. And hello. Um, and so I took the antibiotic, I took the four side attack pills, but nothing happened. No bleeding, no cramping, nothing. So at this point, I think I fall in the category of rare situations because they said, oh this won't happen. Happened to me. So I took the four pills. Nothing happened. No bleeding, no cramping, nothing. I call back. They do another sonogram. Guess what's left? Tissue. So then she says, you can have another surgery or we can give you methogen, which is a different medicine and you have to take it over the course of two days, eight pills. So then they give me methogen. They give me eight pills to take. For every um, eight hours, I have to take, um, I think it was two pills every eight hours. It was something like that. That sounds about right. So essentially, I had to take it over the course of the two days. And they were thinking that that may work. Took it. Nothing. Nothing. So at this point, I'm still afraid that I might have end up with sepsis or an infection. So I'm still crying. I'm texting my friend's mom, like asking her questions. Me and her had a long conversation just talking about faith and trusting God and the number of women who go through this. Hence, the, again, the title pandemic proportions because so many women experience loss either before 20 weeks in the form of a miscarriage or stillborns. Over 2 million babies die a year because of stillbirth. And so- you know, I had a cousin who went through that. So seeing that is so traumatic and you feel for the moms. And if you know me, you know I'm an empath and I'm still going through it. I still have not been able to deal with the fact that I had a miscarriage because I've been dealing with the clinical issues of not being able to pass the tissue. So at this point, for anyone who's just tuning in, I had a DNC, February 17th. I was given three cytotec pills the following week. Then two days later, I was given four cytotec pills. A week later, I was given eight methamphetamine and an antibiotic, and I went back in after I did all of that, and I still had tissue left. And this was a few weeks ago, and the doctor said, um, this was about two weeks ago. So, of course, my job, again, being very understanding in the midst of this, I was still rolling out a brand new learning management platform for my company. I still rolled it out because I, did, I didn't want to use all of my leave just in case, you know, Nadia gets sick. She had been sick sometimes throughout this process as well with ear infections or colds, whatever it is. So I didn't want to use all my leave, but my job was able to let me work from home because I literally had no idea when I was going to miscarry. Except for the day that I did miscarry some of the tissue. Um, shortly after my surgery and they literally sent me home and I got a message from my doctor that said, at this point, you just, you're just going to have to wait and see what happens if your body will expel the tissue naturally. So I said, okay, well, like, do you know when it might happen? No. So this is a, a lesson in terms of like, even what we're going through right now in the world, it's a lesson that God is still in control because they couldn't tell me when I was gonna miscarry. I had taken, at this point, 13 pills, 10 antibiotic pills. I had a DNC surgery and I still had tissue left that could lead to sepsis, which is a, a horrible infection that could either kill you or make you lose your limbs Or, um, you know, like I would need to have another surgery, which they would have to put me under again, which there's always a risk in that. And so I remember just crying and being like, okay, God, like, I I really don't know. And the pastor who married me and Rodney called me on a Friday night. It was actually um, the 13th of March. She called me and she said that I had been on her mind and she felt like something was wrong. And I was like, I mean, yeah, it's been a little rough and I hadn't talked to her since like November and we talked and we prayed. I remember crying, I had Nadia in the bed beside me and she not, having Nadia really helped a lot because she's definitely a light in a dark world and she makes me smile and laugh. And I was in the bed and Nadia fell asleep. We were praying and we were coming against the enemy and any, like any worry, any doubt, any fear. Um, we were coming against it in the spirit and just praying. And after that, I felt like a weight was lifted. And my friends had been with me throughout all of this and praying for me. And I'm so grateful for each and every one of them, my family, for all of their support. And I slowly started to let people know, you know, what was happening that we were going through a miscarriage. But I literally. Have been going through a miscarriage, everyone, since February 10th. The reason I did the show this weekend is because on Friday, this past Friday, 327, is when I finally got the call that my miscarriage was over. I had a sonogram on this past Monday, the 20, no, Tuesday, the 24th, and they they could they didn't tell me anything. They had me come in for a sonogram before the office opened because of COVID-19. And I said, does it look clear? Like, does is it okay? They didn't tell me anything. So I was worried to death that maybe I was going to have to have another surgery and that this wasn't over because it literally lasted an entire month. And when they called, they said they had, this is nothing that they had ever seen and that it was a rare situation. But I think it was a rare situation. It was God's way to get my attention because we live in a world where we're so distracted and we're so busy and we think we can control things. He definitely showed me through this that I can't control anything and that he, st- he was holding my hand. From that day, I went in for the surgery and that message said he is always with me. It was so true. He was with me the whole time. But at the time, I couldn't see it. It's like the, the um, poem, The Footprints. Um, and I know people say like, if you're going to worry, don't pray. And if you pray, don't worry. But it's a lot easier said than done when every time you go into the doctor, there's bad news or everything you see around you. And then to tack on top of that, COVID-19 was ramping up around the same time. So it was a lot that I was worried about. So every time I thought I was making it through, there was something else. It was another hurdle or it was another It was another sonogram. It was another blood test that said there was something that was wrong. It wasn't something that was right. It was something that was wrong. And so because they said that there was something that was wrong, I didn't know how to handle it. I was afraid. I was thinking, Lord, like, I just want to live. Um, And you want to know what makes me more afraid? Is to live and not accomplish the will that God has for my life, not to inspire the people God has put in my path to inspire, not to bring people to Christ, but to die and let my life be in vain. <laughs> Sorry. So that's what scared me was that I would leave this earth not accomplishing God's will for my life. <laughs> So I know that I'm here for a reason. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to share my story. And I'm not done. I'm sure there's going to be days where I'm going to cry. Because like I said, I still haven't dealt with the miscarriage. Because literally, I started this process January 24th is when I found out I was pregnant. February 10th, I found out I was I, was, I lost the baby. And then from February 10th until this past Friday, 327th, I was literally going through a miscarriage and I started bleeding again last weekend um, and I started cramping, but I had cramps for like a week before and I was like, maybe my body is going to miss, like maybe I'm going to miscarry. Maybe I'm going to, I was actually excited to miscarry. Like, I know that sounds crazy, but I was, I literally was hyped. I was like, yes, I'm bleeding. Like I, just because I like, at this point, I'm like, this is crazy. I was happy that I was actually cramping and miscarrying, finally, because of everything I had been through for that time. Um, but I will share some of the scriptures that I was reading during that time because I had a lot of people in my corner and anyone who's going through a difficult time, no matter what it no matter what it is, um, definitely don't allow the enemy to isolate you because that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be isolated. I didn't really want to share anything with anyone. I didn't want to talk to anyone. Every now and then I would like answer and then I'd talk a whole lot. Um, <laughs> so it, it just depended on the day. Um, and I was so grateful for every single person that helped me through this journey. And you all know who you are. I am so, so, so grateful. And I know that God sent you to me at that time. And many of you didn't even know what was going on. You just sent me a text and said, hey, I haven't heard heard from you. Like, how are you doing? Are you Okay. Um, My sister-in-law, I was calling her. She's a nurse. She was so helpful. I mean, Amber's mom. Like, like there were so many people who were, like, in my corner helping me understand, like, what was going on medically. Literally, I was texting them exactly what the doctor said because for someone to literally have a DNC first and still have to take 13, essentially— On some websites, they call them abortion pills um, and an antibiotic. And just to finish this process that I started on February 10th, this past Friday, March 27th, it's a lot. So I'm grateful for, you know, my family, my friends and the people who really, really helped me and prayed for me during this time when I wanted to be quiet and I wanted to, like, go into myself and not share but the enemy allows us to go into he wants us to go into ourselves because when two or more are gathered with like the number of demons we can send to flight together versus trying to fight it alone. And I had my husband, you know, I was talking to him and, and you know, he's going through this, too. And it's one of those things where he's trying to be strong for me. And you just never know like you don't know what they're going through as men going through this process, watching a significant other go through this and literally feeling hopeless because there was nothing he could do. There was nothing I could do. The doctors with all their degrees could not tell me when this process was going to be done. The doctors with all their experience could not help me literally i had to rely and trust god and one of the scriptures that i was reading was in matthew 6 and in matthew 6:25 it says therefore i say to you take no thought for your life what ye shall eat or what she, what ye shall drink nor yet for the for your body what ye shall put on is not the life more than meat in the body than raiment behold the fowls of the air for they sow not neither do they reap nor gather into barns yet your heavenly father feedeth them are ye not much better than they which of you by taking thought can add one cubit until his stature and in some bibles it, it says their life it, your life what shall we drink or wherewithal shall we be clothed for all of these things do the Gentiles seek for your heavenly father knoweth that ye need of all these things, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. And so that was the thing seeking God in his kingdom first in his righteousness. And it was one of those things where I, it's not that I lost seeking his righteousness, but, but I think my faith had been shattered because on top of this, I was going through other things that I haven't even had a chance to talk about. But I was going through a lot and I I did, I didn't know what to do. And the only thing I could do was trust in this good book here and rely on his word because he said, why do you worry? Literally, it tells us exactly what to do. We seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things, the things that we worry about whether it's clothes, food, shelter, a job any of the, and right now it's a lot going on in the world. I mean companies are laying off people are having to take pay cuts myself included like you just never know what people are going through and the thing is throughout all of this, You all may have seen my post on social media. One day I had on a different yellow shirt. It wasn't this one. But people were like, oh, you look good. And I was like, they have no idea. I'm miscarrying. Like, I was literally struggling. But no one could tell. But that's what we do. We smile. And people have no idea. But let me tell you, throughout this process, too, so like I mentioned, the pastor who married my husband and I, she called me. So I was on my way to church. I was invited by a friend to, um, to her church, Christian Life Church in Manassas. Thanks, Kim. I went to her church, and I had started going, like, early March. And after I had talked to the pastor who married us, I told her, I was like, you know, I went to church last week, and she was like, yeah, you should go back. And I, I was like, yeah, I am. It was a great message. So she told me on the way to church that we, that I was dealing with tormenting spirits. And I was like, that sounds kind of creepy. Like, what is that? And I get to church and the pastor is talking about a spirit and he talks about, and let me grab my notebook. He talks about a woman who was tormented by a spirit, but the disciples didn't know she needed help because she looked so good. And I was like, Lord, if that's not a word, because many of us, we do as you said shana we pushed we pushed through and pastor james sutton talked about spiritual warfare that day and and yes amber having people around to like help you do that circle is so real but he talked about a spirit of python and i do encourage you all if you get a chance to look this up but um in the word, so we were reading from Acts 16, but in the word, there was a woman who was um, being tormented by evil spirits. And in verse 16, it talks about a spirit of divination. um, That's also known as the spirit of python. You think about what a python does, it chokes you. The python, ooh, I got chills. Literally a python's, like how they eat, they constrict. You will literally feel like you are, like you just can't breathe. And even with COVID-19, people can't breathe. I legit felt like I couldn't breathe. I felt like I was this close to the end. I was like, yo, I can't do this. And my director came into my office one day. She said, why are you here? I said, "I, I can't take that much leave. I don't have that much leave. Literally, if I had taken the amount of leave for the amount of time I went through my miscarriage, I wouldn't have any left. And I have a little one, so I have other things that I need to think about. And that's what many of you might be dealing with You have other things you have to think about. So you put your, you put your health on the back burner because you're like, I have responsibilities. But we forget that God is, he has everything in his hands and in his control, but we think we can control it. I thought I could control this situation and I couldn't. I did everything they told me to do to prevent blood clots. I got up, I walked, I took the pills like they told me to take and I still didn't miscarry literally for a month. A month after I had a DNC surgery first. And so I was like, okay, God, I don't get it. But when I when I saw that, when the pastor, so she talked to me about a tormenting spirit on my way to church, I get to church and the pastor, James Sutton, was talking about a woman who had a spirit of divination. And he didn't tell me that it was a tormenting spirit. When I left church, I looked it up. I was like, that's interesting. What is that spirit? And it said, the spirit of Python, but he says, Satan tells us the truth. Satan knows the truth. He tells us pieces of the truth. He just doesn't tell us the whole truth. So he won't tell us everything. He gives us bits and pieces, but then he leaves out important parts And then that's where the worry um, sinks in. And even for me right now, like I know it's nothing but the grace of the Lord that I'm happy. When I went to the doctor at the beginning of the week, I actually felt confident and happy. And when I talked to my friends and I talked to the pastor, they were like, you sound different. I feel different. Like literally that night, March 13th, ironically, Friday the 13th, something changed. And it was a shift because I was like, you know what? This devil cannot hold me down. And That spirit is so heavy. And again, this is Acts 16. I usually tell people, read the whole book because God speaks to you how he's going to speak to you. So everyone goes through something different. But all I know is I was so blessed by that sermon because he said the woman looked comfortable in her situation. And I was like, oh my gosh, I looked comfortable in my situation. So no one knew what I was going through. All they saw was... She posted up for the gram. She doing it for the gram. But I was dying inside. I literally had been crying at work. I was in the bathroom crying. I was in the bathroom, like not knowing if I was gonna miscarry. I was on the Metro every day. And I'm just gonna keep it real. I was on the Metro in a lady pamper, okay? Like literally, always discreet for postpartum. Women, when we have a baby, we have to wear postpartum underwear to make sure that we don't have any accidents. I literally went to work like that for a month. A month. Like, it, like it's crazy, because I literally had no clue. The doctor told me I could wake up in a pool of blood. Okay, thank you, ma'am. That doesn't make me feel any better but I looked so good on the outside. I literally, like I said, rolled out a brand new Skillsoft platform at my job. And then I worked on the creation of a training plan for a new VoIP system while going through a miscarriage. And so people will probably look at me and be like, oh, she looks good. She looks good. The woman in the Bible, she looked good. The disciples didn't know she was being bound by spirits. They were holding her down. She had many masters, it said. And those masters, you think about all the masters that we have. And then um, one day when I was talking to a friend, I thought about, and I want to talk about this on another show. I thought about, um, so I survived a tornado in 1993. And that whole situation, that was something else too. But God brought me through that. And so the Bible, there was a Bible on the podium at the church and it was on Psalm 91. So some of you may remember the night, the day, um, or you may have seen my um, Instagram post, but I woke up one morning and I was so excited. I was like, you know what? God is good. Like, I, I just got to, I have to share this. And I was sharing Psalm 91. And that's what I think I want to leave you all with tonight. I I posted it. I've talked about it. And the reason that it's important to me for multiple reasons. One reason is because that said to be the podium, um, the scripture that was on the podium after the tornado that pretty much leveled our neighborhood. neighborhood, And we were still standing. Um, We had T-shirts that said standing strong, standing proud. And Psalm 91, literally there was no church, but there was a Bible on the podium. You can't tell me there isn't a God. So I'm going to leave you all with this in the midst of COVID-19. And I apologize. I didn't get to see all the, the messages, but just know that I love you all. I'm grateful for you all being here, for you all listening, for the women who have gone through this. My heart goes out to you. Know that I'm here. You can definitely reach out to me. I know that over the course of multiple years, I've definitely chatted with you all. and even for the men, like, don't be afraid to share your story and to ask for help because people go through so much and you have no idea. I, and I'm an empath. When I hear people's stories and I hear their testimonies, I will be in here crying. You would think they were my cousin, my sister, my mama, my daddy. Like you would think that they were in my family the way that I hurt. Or Like not the way that I hurt, but the way that I feel when I hear that somebody else is going through. And I want to do anything in my power to help them relieve that hurt and that pain. So I'm going to go ahead and read Psalm 91. And you want to know what's funny? The enemy tried to stop me tonight. You want to know why? The Pie Bean app didn't work. Mm. So I'm going to have to upload this, but that's okay. I will upload it. But yes, it wouldn't work. But that's because the enemy was trying to shut me up. But the devil is a liar that we know, and his plan did not work. So I thank you all for tuning in tonight. And I'm going to leave you all with Psalm 91, because at this time, at this hour, it is definitely what we need. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God in him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and thy buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, aka COVID 19, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked, because thou hast made the Lord, thou hast made the Lord, which is our refuge, even the most high, thy habitation. And I just want to stop here real quick. When I read that, I was like, that's the difference. When we make the Lord, our habitation, where he is where we dwell, where he is our refuge and our covering. I've gone to people thinking they can save me. They can't save me. Only he can. Like, I've tried to hide under like, okay, I'm, I'm going to hide here. Oh, I want someone to be here with me. And he's like, I'm always with you. I'm always with you regardless. And they can't protect you. But he's your refuge. He's your habitation. And it, trust me, I'm learning a lot of this right now as I'm going through it, um, but I just thank God. And it continues in verse 10 to say, there shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. Protect your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. That shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against the stone. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and the adder, the young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet, because he hath set his love upon me, meaning God has set his love upon each one of you. Therefore, will he deliver you? I will set him on high, because he hath known my name." He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. And the enemy was real mad tonight. He tried it. He literally would not let me work on my podcast on the station. I couldn't go live, but that's okay. I will be posting it. And thank God for the... Um, the nudge Amber to go live on Instagram because clearly that was my saving grace tonight uh, because technology was not on my side. It literally took an hour for my computer to come up. But you know what? I went through a miscarriage for a month. So it is what it is. I'm just going to trust God that he is working everything out. And I'm going to continue to share the gospel and the news. And you all may see me dance from time to time, but that's just because I am so happy. I'm happy to be alive. I thank God for his gifts. I thank God for what he's done For me and my family, I pray that he would protect each and every one of you, your family, your friends, your colleagues. Um, Just know that I send much love and many blessings. I've been reciting Psalm 91 and just praying for us all as we deal with this pandemic. Um, Child loss is something that many women experience and many of us don't even talk about it because either we're ashamed or we're hurt. And we're struggling, but if it wasn't for me talking about it, even when I was going through with a few trusted individuals, like I don't think I would have been able to make it through, like as like where I am right now. Um, and I thank God for my husband, my daughter. Like I thank God for my family, but it was a lot. It was a lot to go through a miscarriage for over a month. It was just, it was too much, and on top of that, still trying to save face. Why? I was struggling. I was literally right here. I, was, I, told, I told one of my good friends, I was like, I'm on the edge. And my director said, if you do not take off, she said, I'm going to write you up if you don't take off. And that was the week before last, before they shut my office down because of COVID-19. And I took off. I was like, you know what? You're right. I'm taking off. And I took off. And I think that was the day I posted that video. Look at God. I did. Because I felt happy and I felt good. And even though this time is really serious and it's scary, I thank God for the quarantine to a degree because it allows you to take a step back and pay attention to what's really important. So know that I love you all. Thank you all so much for tuning in to my first podcast. I know it didn't quite work out how, you know what? It worked out how it was supposed to. I'm not even going to say it didn't work out. It worked out how it was supposed to. Know that I love and appreciate you all. Thank you so much for joining. For my lady friends, I didn't get a chance to catch all the messages, but what I will do is, um, of course, I can go back and look at it, but if you ever want to chat, reach out. I love to talk, as you can see. (laughs) Um, so before I end the show, Rodney and Nadia are, are coming out of the room. Come on over here. Come here, Nadia. Wanna come on get on get on camera? Rodney, you want to get on camera? No. I'm good. So Rodney declined. Wait, I don't even know. Why am I holding this? <laughs> Nadia, come in, boo. Come say hi. Come here. Come say hi to the people. You can say hi. Come here, beautiful. Hi. Hi. hi yeah. Huh? Yeah. Thank you. Little kiss. I just thank God this is our little poo Nadia. Well, have a good night, everyone. Bye bye. <laughs> thank you for tuning in to another episode of the CC America Podcast. We appreciate you tuning in week after week and joining us for stories of faith, inspiration, and transformation. So that you never miss an update, please subscribe at www.ccamericapodcast.com. You can also follow us on all of our social media platforms at CC America, LLC. You can also just search for CC America on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. We hope that you are encouraged and inspired by this show. If so, please don't hesitate to share the episodes or let people know that you are listening so that they too can be inspired. We appreciate your support and until next time, be blessed.